All right, it is week two, week two of our Family Matters series, and I hope that you are as messed up as I am after last week. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to the Verb Church podcast. More information about Verb Church, you you can go to myverb.church. Now, here's Pastor Shane Tarpley with today's message. It's really time for us to start to push past our insecurities of reaching out to people. And I see a lot of new faces in here. So so obviously you guys are kind of kind of getting my, my drift here when I'm saying like invite 10 people to church. Come on. We're going to make room on Easter. On Easter Sunday, we are jumping to two services. Come on. Woo! Y'all ain't near as excited as I am. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I know the the worship team's like, whoo, come on now. (laughs) We're going to make room. You got to make room for other people in, in in your house, in your heart. Come on. And that's what it's all about. And so, listen, there's an Easter card on your seats. On the front, it's an Easter invite. On the back, it's an Eggapalooza invite. I want you guys to take these, invite people to a location nearest you. We got them in, uh, in Bremen, in Temple, in Carrollton, um, looking at uh, Villarica, uh, hopefully. But, you know, listen, we're just, we're just doing them all over the county. I pitched the vision for that last week. So if you missed that, go back and watch the message from last week. But I just truly believe that the Lord is calling us to a more intentional and intimate approach when it comes to people and our heart conditions. Amen? Like, like the church has been so good at copycatting events, and, and we're one of those. We've, been, we've done events really, really well in the past, and it's not to say that we're going to stop doing those, but we've got we've to shift our priorities into this huge, large net cast trying to get people in and hope that, you know, in a, in a net that's 500 feet wide that we get a, a couple new people or whatever into going to people right where they are, meeting them right in their space, in their job, in their nine to five and saying, hey, I want you to come to church with me. I want you to come to my connect group with me. I want you to start serving on my team with me. Uh, anybody that serves on, on the V team can tell you if I've ever heard Somebody say, we don't have enough people in this ministry or, or in this team. My, my number one cop out is go get them. Go recruit them. Well, well, I just don't know. I think it comes better. No, it doesn't come better for me. Because I'm reminded of what, what Jesus said to Peter when he walked up on him and he said, hey, throw your net on the other side. And Peter said, hey, we had been fishing all night, Lord, and we haven't caught a single thing. And he said, just throw it on the other side. And see, you could, re- you could sit around and wait for Jesus to do something. Or you could obey him at what he already said because he already told us to do it and just cast our net and go get people. And listen, I want to encourage somebody that maybe you're, you're sitting there thinking, you're like, you know, Shane, I don't really know the Bible all that well. Or, you know, I don't really have that great of a, a walk with Jesus myself. So, so I don't really feel like I have anything to offer, but you do. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to have been saved for 40 years. You can only have been saved one year, six months, one day. And you've got something to offer people in and around you that can change their life forever. 
You've got something inside of you that God has already deposited. And so, but the thing is, where we run into trouble is when we start to psych ourselves out. That's a good 90s, early 2000s word, right? Psych. Like, y'all remember when you used to psych people out? You'd be like, hey, there's a spider on your shoulders. Psych. Oh, watch out, watch out. Psych. Y'all remember that? My kids are like, yeah, dad. But a lot of us spend our time allowing the devil to psych us out. Saying, hey, you're, you don't know the Bible well enough. You don't know enough scripture. You don't, you don't have enough experience to lead somebody to Jesus. You don't have enough to say that can get somebody into church. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You've got something to offer. And we are all qualified by God. Because God doesn't call those who are already qualified. He qualifies and equips those he calls. Amen. So if you're thinking, man, Shane, I just don't have enough tools in my belt. You actually do. Because you only need two types of tools to be able to make disciples. Salvation and your story. Salvation and your story. And so this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on the subject of time-lapse testimony. Time-lapse testimony. And I had to practice really hard to say that. Time-lapse testimony, not timeline testimony. Because a lot of times when we get saved for about, you know, 40 years or whatever, we like to, we like to throw out that timeline like it's something to brag about. But I want to talk to you about a time-lapse testimony. So last week we talked about living your life on mission. And today I want to dive really, really deep on how you can actually live your life on mission. So we're going to jump into the deep end because that's just the way I roll. Anybody can tell you that. That's the way I, that's the way I do stuff. Into Revelation chapter 12, 7 through 12. Revelation chapter 12, 7 through 12. All right. So Revelation 12, 7 through 12. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. This is what it says. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. Come on. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, come on, has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. The one who whispers to you that you're not good enough. The one who says to you, you don't have anything to offer. The one who accuses you of what you did 10 years ago that is going to show up today. The one who accuses you of what you did yesterday, but it's already under the blood, has been defeated. Come on, has been thrown down. Before our God day and night. And they have defeated him. 
Here we go. We're going to focus right here. And they have defeated him. Somebody shout defeated. defeated. Shout it like you mean it. Defeated. defeated. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Another translation says, and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea. Listen to this. For the devil has come to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. That he has little time. So I want to focus on that word. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. All right, so let's get some context around this before we go much further, okay? So this actually happened before time began. Before people walked on the face of this earth, this event actually took place. And I think a lot of times, because we read it in Revelation, we think, oh, this is going to happen at the end. No, no, no. This has actually already happened. In fact, Jesus recounts this event in Luke chapter 10, 17 through 20, when he says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord... Even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's fast. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Somebody shout amen. amen. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. In other words, don't get caught up in what the gifts can do, but where the gifts have brought you. Where the gift of salvation actually has brought you. And the Greek word here for testimony is matura, which comes from the root word martus. And the definition of these words is mainly from a judicial setting, which means witness, evidence given, record, report. Or where we get the word martyr or mature from. So we know that the accuser is the devil, right? And Jesus overcame the accusations and put to rest this legal power of Satan to torment us by death. And he did that by death on the cross. So I'm going to shift gears for a minute because... When, when Jesus is talking about in Luke 10 that he's given you authority over the enemy. That word authority literally means delegated power. Delegated power. The word authority literally means delegated power. So we can see that when Jesus said in Luke 10 that I've given you authority, it's not just a sense of being over something or, or managing something. Like you're, you're supposed to manage the devil in your life. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. It's literally Jesus handing over and saying, listen, I have given you my authority. I have given you the power and the presence that comes to me from heaven. I have handed it over to you. You have the authority over the enemy. So if Jesus said that and he said, hey, I have given you this authority of heaven. Then why don't we act like it? Why don't we act like it? Because we're so used to believing the lies of the enemy over our life that we have refused to accept the authority of heaven. 
Let me say that again. We're so used to believing and listening the lies of the enemy over our life that we have refused or neglected the authority given to us by Jesus. And I want to tell somebody that your word is your weapon. Your word is your weapon. That's why the word of our testimony is so powerful. All right, listen, Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Another translation says, Let us hold tightly without wavering the confession of our faith. The confession of our faith. So let me say it like this. The war of the words in your mouth determines who has dominion over your heart. The war of the words in your mouth determines who has dominion over your heart. You can't lead somebody to their destiny if you're always walking defeated. I'm trying to get us, church, I'm trying to help us understand that it's time for us to wake up tomorrow and make the devil feel threatened when we put our feet on the ground. You say, well, Shane, how do you do that? Start opening your mouth. How do I do that? The mission that comes out of your mouth will determine the direction of your destiny. Come on. The mission that comes out of your mouth. What do you mean, Shane? It's the word of your testimony. Tell people where you have been. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not who you used to be. And you may not be going the the right direction. But listen, God can't turn it around. Amen? Come on. You can't lead somebody if you're always defeated. You've got to find a victory. That's why he says in his word that his mercies are new every day. His mercies are new every day. You've got a story. A story of redemption. A story of perseverance. A story of determination. Your story matters. Because your story can make a difference in somebody else's life. Listen, so many of us think that if we don't have this tragic story of overcoming addiction or abuse or some kind of travesty in our life, that our story isn't significant. But I want to tell somebody that your story needs to be told because there's somebody over here that you work with, that you go to school with, that's sitting beside you right now, that's struggling with a secret sin, and they're just waiting for you to tell them how you overcame what you did how you overcame sin's stronghold in your life what if not only someone else's breakthrough but your blessings depended on what you said and how you said it like i know we won't we all want breakthrough but what if not only somebody else's breakthrough depended on it but what if your own blessings Depended on what you said and how you said it. And you're sitting there at work and you're just doing your job. And you're sitting there at school and you're just doing your work. And you're just wondering how can I get through the day. I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to get home. But the Lord said I brought you here for a reason. It's not just a season to make money. It's not just a season to get an education. It's a season to save someone's soul. 
Am I responsible for that? I was talking to a leader um, on Thursday, and he was saying, you know, I, I follow this guy and, and, and all that. And he said, you know, we talk a lot about being on a, on a being or having as leaders and, and believers and Christians having a, a sphere of influence. He said, but this guy that I follow, that I look up to, doesn't call it a sphere of influence. He calls it a sphere of responsibility. Brad and I were talking about that, and I was like, dude, that kind of, that just brings things in a whole new light. Because not only am I trying to influence somebody, but I'm responsible for the influence that I'm giving them. Come on, somebody. Your testimony is a responsibility that God put inside of you to tell somebody else about the good news of Jesus Christ because they're struggling. They're in chains. They're in bondage. And they're just waiting for you to say, hey, this is what God did for me. Matthew 18 and 18 says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid. I love this scripture because I've always thought about it in terms of money. All right, we use this a lot when we're talking about tithing and, and all this stuff, but I want, you to, I want to bring something fresh out of it. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid or bind or lock up on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit or loose or open on earth will be permitted in heaven. So you've got to learn how to loosen the grip off of your story. You walk around, well, I ain't got nothing to say. Nobody wants to hear what I say. That's the lie of the enemy. Stop allowing the enemy to put words in your mouth. I got nothing to say. Shane, I didn't come from an abused past. I didn't overcome addiction. I didn't overcome this big sin or, or that big travesty. I lived a pretty good life. Well, the fact that you overcame sin's stronghold on your life is a testimony in and of itself. And it's got to be told. It's got to be told. So you've got to loosen the grip of your testimony. It needs to be told. It needs to be said. The first step that you've got to do is start getting rid of those things that are holding back your testimony. You've got to start clearing space that you know God is going to fill with something better. But the problem becomes when we start comparing our stories to somebody else. I get it. I get it. Every time somebody tells a testimony, it's always in time-lapse format, isn't it? Like, I used to get so discouraged listening to, I don't know if you guys have ever been a part of it, but um, some older churches are really well-known for the, what they call their popcorn testimony services. <laughs> Y'all ain't never been a part of that, have you? <laughs> and you just be sitting there like, Lord, don't let them call on me. Don't, don't you do it, brother. Don't you do it. And, they, you know, they'll finish with their story. But what was, you would think that listening to a bunch of stories would be so encouraging. But the problem became when they told their testimonies in time-lapse format. And it would go something like this. Well, I've been, I've been saved and, and set free. And I've been following the Lord for so many years. And, you know, it hadn't always been easy, but it's always been worth it. Hallelujah. You know how that goes? And I'm, and I'm over here like, like, bro, that's great, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with addiction. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with this that nobody knows about. So can you just stop 
parading it around and tell me how. How did God get you through it? How did God get you through it? Don't give me the highlighted reel that you're all saved and sanctified and set free and squeaky clean. Because I know that ain't true. But give me some real life practical steps that God took you through that I can take my struggle through. Listen. People need to know how God got you through it. And sometimes... If you're not willing to make room for God to do something new, he'll make room for you. You know why? And you were like, why would God do that? Because he cares that much about you. Because he loves you so much. The Bible says that whom the Father loves, he also disciplines. And I think we always think about that in a form of a physical or corporal punishment or something like that. But whom the Father loves, he also disciplines. And sometimes that means him having to get real personal and intimate in your life and saying, Hey, you've been struggling with this for too long. I'm ready to do something in your life. So I need to make some room for you. But it's not going to feel good for a minute. It's not going to feel good. So what I need you to do is when it, stop, when it starts hurting a little bit, don't disconnect yourself from the people that I have put around you to love on you and to pour into you and to stay connected and protect you. What I need you to do when I start making room is to stay close. It's to stay connected. It's to stay right next to people, hand in hand, and say, I don't know why God is doing this in my life, but I need some people to help me through it. And I promise you, because here's the thing, what man rejects, God selects. What man rejects, God selects. You say, well, Shane, how does that even make sense? Look at all of the people that God chose to use. And I love the story of David and Goliath because David stepped out off of a field, a little 13-year-old boy. God called him out of a mundane life to fight a giant. To fight a giant. And all of his brothers, even his own father... And all of, the, all of the commanders were like, David, you're too small. You got nothing to offer. See, I'm putting it in terms we can understand. They rejected him. And God said, no, no, no. I have selected him for such a time as this. And when you think that the world has rejected you, God is just starting his selection process. And it feels rough. And it feels like you're trying to put on things that don't fit. And you're trying to walk in everybody else's footsteps and mold and shoes. And, and one of my most favorite things to see when my kids were growing up is for them to put my shoes on and clock through the house. And they would just look so goofy. And Canaan does it now. And I love it. I love it because they're not where they need to be. But they know there's some growing along the way. But listen, I'm trying to tell you that the shoes you're wearing right now might feel a little big. But you're going to grow into them. Don't take them off just yet. Don't take them off 
just yet. God wants to use you and your testimony regardless of how triumphant, tame, or tragic it might be. All you got to do is stop listening to the lies of the enemy. You've got to tell your testimony. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10, I'm going to paraphrase this for you, talks about Peter is instructing us to get rid of all evil behavior. And he goes through this for about, you know, four or five or six verses. And then all of a sudden he jumps to talking about God building this temple through us and with us. And what's so weird about this is us knowing all this, that God is building us as stones, which means that we need each other. Come on, everybody. We need one another. God is building his church brick by brick by brick. And that doesn't mean another building on this corner or another building on that corner. It means God is using his people to build something big. But we know all this. And we know God wants to use us, but yet we will still isolate ourselves and think that we have to be good at everything. But the kingdoms of this world, of this world, are built on self-reliance and independence. But the kingdom of God is built on a coming together of imperfect people. It's It's enhanced by our imperfections. It enables grace. And the fact that we're not perfect enables us all to fit together. It helps you to know, hey, my story may not look like yours. I may not be where you are right now, but that's okay. Because even if my gift doesn't look like your gift, my timeline doesn't have to be your timeline. Just because you hear the story of somebody else's doesn't mean that yours has to look like that. Because who gave you the blueprints to begin with? I love this picture when Moses is building the tabernacle where God's presence would dwell in the wilderness. And remember, the tabernacle was mobile. Come on, shout out mobile church. Woo! Y'all were like, is that even biblical? Yeah, it is. And there was a verse that always got my attention. And this verse is right after God's given Moses these very specific instructions about how to build the table, the curtains, the lampstand, and all of this stuff. These very specific instructions. And then God kind of shifts gears and says, Moses, all of this revelation that I gave you up on the mountain, all of this stuff that you received from me when you were in my presence, when you were in that worship service, when you were all alone and I was just depositing stuff in and in and in, you've got to take that revelation into your real life. You've got to take what I gave you on the mountain down to where your problems are. And there's going to be some real rough stuff when you get off this spiritual high. And that's, you know, church, that's the thing about, I love conferences and and I love all these gatherings. But the problem is we haven't quite understood that this is a mountaintop experience that God put us on. To deposit some revelation in us so that we can take it to our real life and use it. See, some of us are so... Now, now I don't want this to offend anybody, but I want you to hear me. Some of us are so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. Like, what do you mean, Shane? Can you imagine if Moses refused to go back to real life? With the law of God in his hands. 
And he just stayed up on that mountain and said, no, 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 God, this is all I need. I want to stay in your presence forever. That's great, but God can't use that. God can't necessarily use us if we just want to stay in church all the time. God wants to use us out there. And you've got a testimony and a story to tell that matters. He said in Exodus 25, 40, he said, See that you make them according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So in other words, when you get back down from this place in my presence that I'm giving you all this, you've got to pattern what you see, what you saw in my presence. So don't reject what makes you special. Don't reject those things that God put inside of you. And I read that and thought, man, that's it right there. That is totally it. Moses had this pattern given to him on Mount Sinai. But, but that's, not the, that's not the pattern where we get our, our pattern from. That was the pattern of law. We get our pattern from the presence that he had on a mountain called Calvary. On a hill far away. And church, a lot of times what we tend to do is when we get a little bit further along in our life, we want to button our coats up and start talking to people about the rules of religion. Well, you can't do this and you can't do that and you need to stop doing that for God to be able to use you. Man, I, I don't know where, all reading, where, where we're reading that, but my Bible don't tell me that. My Bible tells me that he took some raunchy people. Come on. He took some raunchy, raunchy people. And he said, hey, if you'll just say yes to me, I'll start doing some things in your life that you couldn't even dream of. Oh, you mean, no, no, he didn't use the Pharisees. I don't know if you recall that, but in fact, there was, there was quite the Pharisee named Saul that he forcefully made room for in his life and transformed him into Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we discovered last week. God made room in Saul's life for him because he loved him so much that he couldn't leave him where he was. And he said, Paul, you're going to walk this entire path blind. And when you get to where you're going, there's a man on the other side named Ananias. And he's going to pray over you. And the scales are going to fall off your eyes. And you're going to see things in a whole new way. But church, unfortunately, this is... This right here is where we spend most of our time staring. We stare at somebody else's completed journey. 
we, we look at this and go, there is no way, God, that I could possibly make my life look like that. There's no way, God, that I can even come close to comparing, to measuring up to that. And God said, I'm not asking you to do all this at one time. All I'm asking you to do is trust me with one piece of your life. All right, God, well, well, I'll give you that. But I can't really see what it's going to become. And you know how you put a, a puzzle together? You start looking like, oh, this might be over here. This, this might be down here. But we don't really know where this fits in, do we? So, all right, God, I trusted you with that piece. Seemed to work okay. I'm going to give you this other piece right here. Church, don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged when you only got two pieces of your puzzle in place and you run up on somebody whose life looks like this. Because listen, if your life looks like this, you need to be helping this joker over here put theirs together. We ain't got no time for parades in God's presence. We ain't got no time to be showboating our own gifts and our own talents and all this stuff. We don't have any time for that. Because we just read in Revelation that the devil has come down. The devil has come down in anger. Why? Because he knows that he doesn't have much time. So church, Instead of letting our brothers and our sisters walk around with two pieces of their puzzle put together, just laying out there for somebody to come along and swipe it up like a toddler who don't know what it is, we should have an urgency to say, hey, let me help you put some stuff together. Let me help you lay some pieces down in your life. Let me tell you how God's been good to me. Let me help you snap some things together. Let me help lead you along the way. Because if we're not making disciples, then what are we doing? You say, well, Shane, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. The only job description of a believer is to do one thing. Make disciples. That's it. We overcomplicate and overanalyze. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Let me tell you. I'm going to put to rest. Whatever you do, wherever you work, wherever you go to school. One job description. Make disciples. But how you do that determines the gifts that God gave you. How you do it might look different. You might be a clerk at Aldi. God bless you. You might be a teacher. Hallelujah. Thank you. You might be a physician or an attorney. You might be a financial advisor. You might be working in the wreck. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> But how you make disciples is completely different. But we're all called to do one thing. Make disciples. So start telling your story. Start opening up your mouth. 
And stop being so overwhelmed by what you see in other people's lives. And let some people get around you to say, hey, I'm going to help you snap this together. I'm going to help you put your, your stuff back together. Because you know what? My life hadn't always been put together either. At one point, my life looked like that. At one point, my life looked like a mess. But I had some people in my life who said, Shane, I love you too much to let your life look like it's in shambles. I love you too much to just leave you out here all broken and messed up. And I want to help you start putting the pieces back together. Come on, why don't you stand with me this morning? Now, I know there's some people in here that have faced rejection. Some doors have been shut in your life. Some things have gone wrong. Some things have toppled over. Some truths have been tested. But it's not about the furniture in your life. Remember we were talking about Moses here. God gave specific instructions on how to build the tabernacle. He even told Moses exactly where to put the furniture. But remember, it was mobile. So they had to pick up all that stuff and move it. And maybe sometimes Moses didn't get the furniture in the right spot every single time. But you know what was right every time? The foundation. The foundation. And some of us are so concerned about the furniture in our life, about making sure that every little thing adds up. And Jesus is saying, hey... I need you to start with me in your heart. I need you to start with me in your heart. Listen, Dad. Listen, Mom. The Lord knows your struggles. He knows what you're up against. He knows the brokenness in your life. He knows all the pieces that are scattered. And maybe you had half a puzzle put together at one point in your life and somebody just came along and just swiped it all in the floor and it left you on the floor picking up the pieces. And now you're like, I can never get this all back the way it was. Hmm. But I feel the Lord in my spirit saying, I don't want to take you back to where you used to be. I want to take you to where I want you to be. I don't want to take you back to where you used to be, where you were cold, comfortable, and complacent, and you thought you had it all together. I want to take you to where I want you to be. It's somewhere fresh. It's somewhere new. But it might mean starting over. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray. I want to pray over you this morning. I'm going to ask you because I think I feel like there's a lot of you in here. But I want to ask you if you're here and you say, Shane, my life is completely broken. My life is, is a mess. It looks like that puzzle. Not on the front of the box, though. It looks like that mess you got on that table. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Man, hands up everywhere. Come on, just keep them up. Keep them up like an antenna. Like the Lord knows your heart. 
but keep them up so the Lord can see your action steps are going forward. Lord, you see these hands. God, you know these hearts. God, you see the tired and discouraged. God, you see people that are in a different place than they were before. God, you see, Father, the questions and the doubts that they are wrestling with every single week that they have to go to work or don't. But God, you said that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, you told Peter in all of his flaws and and all of his fallacies and all of his foul mouth and all of his nasty bad habits and all of his backsliding. Come on, somebody. You looked at Peter right in the eye after knowing all of this. And you said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I want to speak to somebody who feels insignificant, who feels like you don't have a story that matters, who feels like you've never gone through anything worth talking about. I want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy, from the pits of hell. You have something to say. And your story needs to be told. Whatever it looks like for you, just start opening up your mouth when you go to lunch today, when you sit in your office tomorrow, when you're washing cars. Whatever you do with your life, open up your mouth and talk to people about what God has done for you. Lord, I want to pray for somebody whose heart's heavy right now. God, they feel so divided. They feel pulled. God, they feel like something's missing from their life. They've attended church. They've gone to church, but they just, they just feel like something's missing. Maybe they've never fully committed to calling you their Savior to accepting the salvation of your work on the cross. So if that's you, if you say, Shane, today I'm going to get my life right. But I don't want to do it alone. My life's going to look like a broken puzzle for a few minutes. But you said there'd be some people that could help me through it, and I promise you there will be. But the first step is stepping into God's grace and letting him present to you the greatest gift, which is called salvation. So if you're here and that's you, I want you to pray this prayer like your life depends on it because it does. Everything that you've done up until this point, being wiped away, completely made new, a fresh start today. 
There aren't many places in this world that will give that to you. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. A fresh start is coming to your house today. A fresh start is coming to your family. A fresh start is coming to your job. A fresh start is coming to your kids. A fresh start is coming to the vision and the destiny for your life. All you have to do is accept it. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer out loud and let the devil know who he's up against. He's up against a new child of God. He's up against an army of believers that will not go silent. So everybody in the church, we're going to pray this together. Come on, just open up your mouth and say, Dear God in heaven, I come to you now confessing my sin. I need you in my life. I accept your salvation. Come into my heart. Take away my sin and make me new again. Today, right now, a fresh start. I declare it in Jesus' name. And everybody shout it. Amen, amen, amen. Come on. Give God a shout of praise in this place. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Verb Church Podcast. We would love to help you take your next steps. If you made a decision to follow Christ, would like to be baptized, or are ready to connect with us, head over to myverb.church forward slash next steps and fill out our digital connect card. Our team will follow up and help you guide you on your journey with Christ.